Uh, we played some Celine Dion coming into this because I, I imagine you may have seen today that the legendary Montreal-born singer has had to reschedule several European tour dates um, because she posted today to social media that she had been diagnosed with a rare neurological disorder called stiff person syndrome. Um, I had never heard of it, you know, and, and I work in this business. I'd never heard of it, to be frank. So she posted two videos, both in English and in French. Uh, she claimed the debilitating disease does not allow her to sing the way I'm used to. Here's what she had to say. Recently, have been diagnosed with a very rare neurological disorder called the stiff person syndrome, which affects something like one in a million people. While we're still learning about this rare condition, we now know this is what's been causing all of the spasms that I've been having. Unfortunately, these spasms affect every aspect of my daily life, sometimes causing difficulties when I walk and not allowing me to use my vocal cords to sing the way I'm used to. It hurts me to tell you today. This means I won't be ready to restart my tour in Europe in February. A very emotional Celine Dion today, posting those videos to social media to explain, principally to explain why she couldn't go back out on tour, but far more than that, this diagnosis of uh, stiff person syndrome. Um, it's incurable. It causes progressive muscle rigidity, as the name would suggest, and spasms, as she spoke about. There are fewer than 5,000 known cases of the syndrome in the U.S., as Celine Dion mentioned. It's very, very rare. Of course, there's been an outpouring of sympathy today from all corners for the 50-year-old Canadian, 54-year-old Canadian superstar. At Queen's Park in Toronto, the legislature, a children's choir usually sings Christmas carols this time of year. Today, they sang something else. Yeah, uh, a nice tribute. And there were many today uh, paying tribute to Celine Dion. So what else do we know about this rare neurological disease? What is living with it like? How effective is treatment? Joining me now is, is Dr. Tara Zier. She's founder and CEO of the Stiff Person Syndrome Research Foundation. She herself is one of those fewer than 5,000 known cases of the syndrome in the U.S., an SPS patient. Uh, Dr. Zier, thank you so much for your time today. Thank you, Ben. I'm happy to be here. So I think a lot of us, you know, being in Canada, obviously Celine Dion carries a lot of weight here. Um, and I think a lot of us were watching her announcement this morning with a lot of uh, emotion, but also with a lot of curiosity about, about stiff person syndrome, because again, I gather it's very rare. Yes. Well, it's reported one to two per million, mm -hmm. but the numbers are most likely higher than that because it takes on average seven years to diagnose and it's often misdiagnosed with MS, Parkinson's disease, and psychological disorders. 
What was your reaction today to hearing um, someone of such high profile sort of reveal that this was this was what they had been diagnosed with? It was, uh, whew. <laughs> I, I just burst into tears, honestly. Right. Just Kimberly with the foundation had reached out about a month ago because was you know we were aware that there was she was going through some health issues and kind of this diagnostic odyssey that a lot of people go through, especially with rare diseases. And, you know, at that time, I'm thinking that there's, you know, there's just no way it could be SBS. And, um, and then to find out and then listening to her message. Wow, that was, uh, you know, I, I don't know her. She seems like such a very sincere, authentic person. And I could just relate to her on so many levels. You know, she was talking about her children supporting her. And she talked about having to postpone performing. She, she kind of seemed like she was on the verge of tears. And I, there's a lot of grief when you can't sort of do things that you want to do and that are meaningful to you. And I was a dentist for 20 years before I developed the condition and had to stop practicing because of the condition. I, I did martial arts prior to that and couldn't do that anymore. So, you know, it's hard when you want to do things and then something's holding you back. So there's, you know, I just felt a lot of empathy for her she mentioned hope and, you know, she, she seems very positive. And, you know, I, I think that um, a lot of, you know, our community is talking and getting messages and yeah, um, we need hope. I think everybody needs hope and hope in an, a very active sense. And I just, am so grateful that she's vulnerable and courageous to come forward and to use her beautiful voice to shine a light on this debilitating condition. I it's <laughs> this has been kind of overwhelming, honestly. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I watched and thinking and thought just how how courageous it must be to be able to first of all, how terrifying and tough it must be to admit it to yourself, to find out. And then the courage it takes, you know, to tell if obviously she has a huge audience to tell, but even in everyone's case, even to tell your family and your loved ones what's what what's happened. Yeah. I it it is and i it, it's hard you know for people to understand most most people hadn't heard of the disease yeah and the name doesn't do it justice i mean people aren't just stiff they can experience muscle spasms so severe they break bones dislocate joints result in life threatening breathing problems and you know just i'm just hoping that you know her being as credible as she is that this validates like this actually people wake up now and they you know, understand the impact of this disease and the importance to decrease diagnosis time, and that this isn't as rare as people think. As I gather, when we look at at what she had been uh, reporting, she'd been having these awful spasms. I guess that's what tipped, or not tipped, but that's why people in your community thought this could be what she's experiencing. Um, Do we know what causes it? No. um, There's... That's the part where the research is so critical as to really understand the pathophysiology or cause of the disease. It's considered neurological uh, with autoimmune features. Um, 70 to 80% of people have a certain antibody um, called GAD65, elevated levels, which helps aid in the diagnosis along with clinical symptoms. Um, There are other antibodies that are associated with the disease. That's where, you know, really being able to drive the research forward to help to identify the cause and to develop targeted treatments is just paramount. Next year, we'll be launching a patient contact registry, natural history studies, 
to have a large pool of patients for researchers to study. Um, that's going to be critical for clinical trials to help support better treatments and a cure for the disease. I get the impression that that for, for many people with SPS, you feel like you've been wandering in the wilderness a bit. Uh, it, it strikes me that people just don't, when you people don't know, then the research, the money isn't raised the same way, the research isn't done the same way. Is, the, is, that, is that accurate? Oh, it's very accurate. <laughs> wandering in the wilderness with no food, no water, no air. <laughs> wow. Yeah, I mean, it, it took me three years to get diagnosed. I saw a total of 13 specialists, was in the ER nine times, lost 30 pounds in a month in, in March of 2017. You know, going from doctor to doctor to doctor, I could talk to you about like how important the team is, your doctor team. You know, it, it's really tough. That diagnostic odyssey can be extremely challenging, especially sometimes diseases like this can be invisible. With stiff person syndrome, you're going to see people with all different levels of disability, and you will see people present differently. Like most people probably wouldn't realize I suffer from this to look at me, which even adds another layer of complexity to it, especially going through the diagnostic process. A lot of people can be labeled with anxiety, which is can be a component of the disease, but there's an underlying medical an underlying uh, disease process in addition to anxiety. So it, it, it is it is very challenging, you know, wandering through that jungle yeah. first. <laughs> yeah. Um, I wanted, you mentioned the word hope earlier, and it's an interest, always an interesting word, I, I guess, uh, Dr. Zier, because I can imagine how challenging those early days must be. Uh, when you've, I suppose there's a relief in knowing, having some idea of, of finally having a diagnosis, but what happens after that? Yeah, I kind of look at it, uh, Ben, in like two phases. So there's pre-diagnosis, and that has its own set of challenges of uh, trying to figure out what it is. And then once you get the diagnosis, then, then you're right. It's like, now what? What do you do? And I think, you know, for me, it was, okay, educate yourself about the condition. Who are the best doctors to treat it? And, you know, can I, how do, can I get into remission? You know, all of those things sort of cycle through my head in, in a very sort of um, almost like automated way. As far as, you know, what I've, what I've learned through this is um, we, we recently developed a medical advisory board with three of the experts in the, in the U.S. One of them also does research in, in Greece. And that's been amazing to have people come together. Uh, you know, the collaboration is key with rare diseases. So that you know that's been that's been critical. Um, the treatments are more focused on symptom management because they don't at this point understand the you know the exact cause of the disease. Um, it's it's looking at how do we manage symptoms. I wouldn't say that there it's really great management, and a lot of the medications and and immunotherapies available have side effects. And the medications, people can develop a tolerance to them, like uh, the class uh, benzodiazepines, Valium is a common drug used to treat it. it. It can lose effect after a certain amount of time where you have to increase the dose to get, you know, a similar uh, response. So that's that's tricky. And they also have cognitive side effects. And that that's sort of where the, the treatments are. So we're really looking forward to driving the research forward to get better treatments and, and hopefully a cure. Because of course there is no cure, just so that we're that we're clear. Not yet. <laughs> that's yeah. where the hope, and that's where it's active. You, you mentioned earlier that even the name 
is a bit of a misnomer that it, it, it's sort of a name that must have been thought up many ages ago, but doesn't really describe the full range of things that, that, that you endure. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, the name doesn't, doesn't by any means demonstrate the severity of the disease. It, it originally was Moer Schwoltman before, um, and those were two uh, physicians who discovered the disease in the 50s at the Mayo Clinic. And then I, I don't know why they changed it, honestly. Yeah. <laughs> I think they should have kept it that. But but yeah, people aren't just stiff. I mean, they they develop, you know, they can have spasms so severe they break bones, dislocate joints, result in life-threatening breathing problems. Right. So, you know, when I started the foundation, it was like, wait, okay, do do we change, focus on the name and change the name first or do I start the foundation? And I thought that the most impact would be focusing on the foundation. I I realized the necessity there. I, you know, I was my former husband had passed away, which was a trigger for this disease. Um, and I had two kids. And, you know, I, I had to have people live with me to help care for myself and my kids. And so I, I knew like I needed to take action at that point. Um, and that's when shortly thereafter uh, was on the news with Hopkins, like we need to raise awareness for this. And then we need to to raise money for research. Um, so that that was a big driver. Yeah. I mean, when you look forward now um, with with someone such as Celine Dion, when you look at her today presenting that, I guess part of the sympathy you feel, too, is just knowing what lies ahead. This is a really sounds like a really clearly sounds like a tough journey. Yeah, I think it's twofold. I think that I feel sympathy for where she is right now and what she has, I'm guessing, has gone through to this point. And that I, I'm sure she's experiencing some grief having to, you know, postpone doing what she loves to do and struggling with that piece. What lies ahead? It's hard to say. I would say I'm a realistic, a, a realist with an optimistic spin. That, mm -hmm. So, and I will tell you that, you know, it's said to be progressive. I don't pay attention to it. You know, it's like, okay, I'm going to do whatever I can do to heal. So I've looked at, at conventional medicine. I've looked at holistic means. I've looked at diet. I've looked at, you name it. I've looked at it, cold water, hot water, <laughs> everything out there. And I'm exploring those things because, uh, I mean, I'm doing trauma work. You know, there's, there's for me an obvious emotional component to this. Mm -hmm. And I'm, I was probably in 2017 about 5%, meaning I couldn't take care of myself or my kids. I couldn't walk upstairs. I could barely walk. I would say I'm probably about 60% now, which means I have to plan every single thing I do. But um, even down to taking a shower and it's like having to allocate that way and plan. Okay. You know, today's Monday on Wednesday, I have to do this. So I have wow. to shower on Tuesday evening. It, and so, you know, everybody's different. And, it, and so, you know, I look at hope where, you know, I couldn't tolerate physical therapy the first two years. Now I'm doing it three days a week. I'm stronger. Does it hurt? Yes. You know, do I live with pain every day? Yes. But I'm grateful to wake up in the morning. And I'm looking forward to continuing to do what I can to heal. I feel that and sense that about Celine and her message today. And so I just feel this connection with her that that just, just feels good. Dr. Zier, uh, thank you so much for shedding some light on this today. And uh, thank you for your time. Thanks a lot, Ben. I appreciate it.